Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. Uh, today, we got a very special guest, a multi-hyphenate Jasmine Brown. She's an entrepreneur. She's an author. She's a role model. She's a model. Just doing a whole lot of things at a very high level. So, Jasmine, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Nah, doing well. So, funny enough, I feel like we knew each other. We were in the same circles, but we didn't get to officially meet until we were at the Athlete Unites Conference sharing our, our message on how money and how money affects young individuals, specifically student athletes. But for the people that may not know you, give us the rundown behind Jasmine, the author, Jasmine, the entrepreneur, and so much more. Yeah, well, you, you use so many adjectives to describe me. I don't know where to start with telling <laughs> your viewers and listeners like what I, I could have kept going I could have kept going I know so okay uh born in Buffalo lived in North Carolina most of my life though so NC is home and so, um, real quick real quick Bills Mafia or Panthers okay actually I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan wait hold up super random okay, okay. I can tell you the story if you want to hear it <laughs> I, I think the folks want to hear it. I'm, I'm genuinely curious as well Okay, so I was actually just about to say my dad was a financial advisor for professional athletes when I was growing up. So one of his clients played for what was the Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas, but um, I'm the oldest of five and my dad was not taking us cross country to an Oakland game. So when the Raiders came on the East Coast, they were playing Baltimore at Baltimore. And so he got us all tickets to the game. I mean, we stayed in like the hotel with the athletes and everything, like went to the game cheering for him and the Raiders. And I fell in love with the defense, the colors. My sister's name is Raven. So I like the name. Um, the mascot was dope. And my little brother was terrified of the mascot. And I literally left there a diehard Ravens fan. And my dad used to hate it, but he says I have never wavered since. And now, like, I, I ride hard for the Ravens. That's a good story. And the Ravens are yeah. good. But, yeah, back to your story. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So my dad was a financial advisor. So I've always kind of been around the concept of money. And he was also a collegiate professional or basketball player. And so, you know, I've always been around sports as well. And I've been swimming since I was younger. And so I started coaching swimming at like 14, 15 years old as a junior coach. And I was the assistant head coach by the time I was 17. And fast forward a few years, I'm the head coach for my old high school. And one of my swimmers does not know how to fill out a check. And this is a white swimmer, one who has both parents in the household. And I was just kind of surprised that someone who, you know, has a good home life and has parents that both work and everything like doesn't know basic finances, like filling out a check. So he comes to me with his spirit wear check and was like, coach Jasmine, what do I do? And so that just kind of got the ball rolling for me of like, where are kids learning financial literacy? Because I learned at home and my dad mm -hmm. used to quiz me on stock symbols when I was like seven. So that was normal. And it was normal to talk about credit in the house. And it was normal to talk about the stock market. But I realized that that's kind of a luxury and not a lot of people get that. 
So then I just decided I was going to do something about it. Um, I found out that North Carolina is given a B grade in teaching financial literacy, and there are states that are given an F grade. And so I just started my nonprofit. And then from the nonprofit, which is called Facts for Youth, it's teaching financial literacy to high school students and athletes. And, um, you know, I was doing all these workshops and that was fun, but there was nothing to like continue that knowledge, especially if I'm going into, you know, more areas that have fewer two parent homes and not making as much money. So then that is when I decided that I was going to write the book and just so that the kids have something when I leave that they could continue that knowledge if they wanted to. So I don't know, I guess that's kind of my whole story. No, I love that. I think, you know, not only did you see a problem, but you took action behind it. You know, a lot of times we see a lot of people pointing fingers and complaining, but you saw a situation and uh, something that you were fortunate enough to have and uh, was really able to make amends and uh, provide a roadmap for it. So for a young kid coming up today, you had the luxury of learning, you know, financial principles. What would you say is the basis of financial literacy that young kids need to know to at least help them be confident to learn the more complex stuff? Right. Well, I think the the first step is kind of learning the value of a dollar, right? (laughs) Um, I think a lot of kids, especially when you grow up, not knowing like how much the milk costs at the store when you're with your grandmother and getting it. A lot of times you see kids in the store, at least I see kids in the store that are like, I want this and I want this (laughs) and I want that. And it's like, they don't realize that yeah, you really want it, but can I afford this? Like, do I have enough money on my card to buy this right now? Because if if I did, I'd buy the whole grocery store because I'm a foodie and I like food, right? Um, So kind of going down to the basics of, okay, what does this dollar mean? What does this get me? I think is kind of the basis of what all financial literacy or what teens need to build their financial literacy on. No, I love that. And then taking it back to, you know, you growing up and seeing your your father, who you speak highly of continuously and, you know, being an instrumental part in your journey and your entrepreneurship journey. When it came to, you know, the whole model of the old model of athletes, like they invest in studios and car dealerships and mm-hmm. whatever. And the broke documentary that came for it. Now we have this new model of athlete that's trying to do VCs and media and all these different things. Right. What are some things that athletes that you can see, and we're not going to get into numbers and names, but that he was able to help avoid that model that we see in the past. And then what are you seeing now that are things that are, are good or positive? Yeah. So I always, I actually grew up, like I enjoyed the broke documentary. Cause I was like, yeah. wow, this is stuff that my dad worked with. You know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. But you know, I heard a lot of stories and I didn't understand it at the time. Like, okay, you had all this money and now you don't. that concept just wasn't there for me. Um, But I think some of the things that my dad taught me, you know, growing up in ways that kind of prevented me from going down that same path is like credit. I tell the story all the time that I got my first credit card at 13 and, you know, a lot of times. Yes. You skipped a couple grades or something. (laughs) No, no, no. Like my dad signed off on it. Oh, okay. Okay. But, you know, to get me to understand the concepts of credit, And so oftentimes when, at least from my understanding of athletes, they get all this money and they go spend it all. And then sometimes they take out lines of credit, but they don't know what that really means. And they don't know that, yeah, you got a credit line for 5,000, but if you spend all that and you're, you you know, doing the minimum payment, you're not spending that 500, 5,000, you're doing like 
6,500 based off interest and all that. So just basic concepts like that to help me really build my money instead of spending it all. And like my dad has a concept called fun money. Okay. Like fun money is money that if you lost it today, it wouldn't matter. So go have fun with it. Go throw it in the stock market at random stuff that you're kind of interested in or whatever. Um, but sometimes that money can grow into more fun money. And then yeah. <laughs> now you're having a whole lot of fun. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's true. Um, but yeah, just really making your money work for you, right? Like passive streams of income and not always having to work so hard for so little sometimes. No, that's, that's, that's important. And then you work with athletes and you know, what, what I like about you know, your philosophy is like, you know, athletes, you work hard, you got to have fun with it too, within reason. When it comes to, you know, building passive income strategies, do you have a favorite? I know this is a disclaimer. This is all informational, educational. So if you hear Jasmine say this route is what she likes, don't go do it and then blame her if it doesn't work out. Consult your financial team. But do you have a favorite form of like passive income or, you know, things that you use um, to build your financial portfolio? Yeah. So I will actually take a, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give two answers. Okay. The first answer is what I would give to my high school students, because I feel like that's a little bit more on a basic level. And then the other one will be kind of what I'm getting into here in the future. So I always show the kids on my phone, like how you can, you know, invest in stocks through cash app. Right. So like, yeah. um, a lot of the kids will get like, you know, 40 or $50 from their grandmother on cash app if they're hip. Um, or their mom or dad or whoever. And so they have this money sitting in there. And instead of it sitting, I'm like, hey, like you can actually invest in Nike and in McDonald's and all this stuff from your phone, from Cash App. And, you know, you're not doing anything for it. Um, so I always kind of, you know, take that approach to it because then it's more interesting for them and more fun. And I think oftentimes when you're talking about financial literacy and teenagers, they think that it's concepts that'll go over their head. So try to break it down in that sense. Um, for me, I would love to get into um, real estate as a passive form of income. Um, but right now, something that my dad's kind of gotten me into recently is land development. Um, and, and it takes a whole lot of work in the, in the front end. But once it's up and running, it's passive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting back and just watching the coins come in. Um, so yeah, I'm building a new center here, um, soon. I'm also the director of a daycare and I'll be building from the ground up another center and running that one as well. So I'm really excited about that moving forward. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm shifting gears because we have athletes that want to be entrepreneurs. You know, that's the new, that's the new model. That's the new venture from a focus management, time management standpoint, because you're already doing this what are your tricks? I know I mentioned all these adjectives in the beginning and you've added like a whole bunch of adjectives. I didn't know a landowner <laughs> and daycare center provider and a facilitator were also in the, in the portfolio of all the things that you do. So what is yeah. your trick? What is your secret? Um, well, I'm super type A. I love a to-do list. I love a schedule and itinerary. I'm here for it. Um, I also wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, so well, I feel like sleep. when you um, I, I'm naturally a person that can run off fairly little sleep. Okay. So I average maybe five to six hours Okay, fair enough. of sleep. So it's not terrible, could yeah. be better. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm up more than I'm asleep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wake up at 4am and I think when you wake up before the birds do and everyone else, like it's a very productive time for me. Um, yeah. 
on Monday, actually my swim season starts. So, you know, 4am I wake up, I'll go to practice. Uh, If I'm lucky enough, I'll go to the gym, then go to the daycare, do all the admin stuff. And then while I'm doing that, I can be sending emails out or on a call or whatever the case is. So I'm, I'm naturally kind of a busy person. I think a lot of athletes share that because we're able to go to practice and class and study and do games and all this other stuff. So you just have to kind of naturally move it towards something that's productive. And I think it also really helps when you like what you do. No, that's great. That's great advice. Um, Not only from the aspect of athletes can't handle the workload because we're so used to it from a social educational sports perspective, but like you said, um, we, 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 we have the capacity to, to, to do so. So um, definitely think anyone listening that wants to do multiple things, don't get discouraged. Um, you can do that. And I think it's really important. Um, talking about it from the lens of you being a coach, like a swim coach, how have you been able to take the lessons that you've learned from coaching in sport to coaching from uh, in the financial space? Yeah, um, actually, I, I think that I one of my many strengths is that I can break something down in a way for, you know, a young person to understand it. And if I see in their face that they're not understanding what I'm saying, I'm able to switch gears and come up with another way to explain it kind of on spot. And I mean, I'm just using a swimming example. Um, I once described swimming brushstroke as like the game whack-a-mole and you know, the kid was like, I saw the light go off in his head, like, okay, like I understand it. And then he was swimming it better. So, um, I think just based off my coaching, um, background, I'm just able to really switch gears and help each kid individually because not everybody gets the same information the same way. Not everybody learns by reading. Some people learn by doing, or, you know, by seeing somebody else do it. And so you just kind of have to switch gears as a coach. And I do that through my financial literacy stuff as well. No, that's great. And, you know, obviously financial literacy is coming from everywhere now. You know, you've been one of the early subject matter experts, but now because it's, I I feel like it's a popular thing, NIL is in place. um, A lot of people are talking about it. You have people coming out the woodworks. How can someone source their information? What resources would you, you know, suggest um, that are available for someone that's, you know, maybe new to the space outside of your book, which we're going to have in the show notes, by the way, make sure you grab a copy. For sure. Well, I'm not against YouTube University and Mm -hmm. Google.edu because I think that with anything, there's a lot of information at our fingertips, right? Um, So I'm vegan and a lot of people will be like, well, vegan's such a bad thing. And other people are like, vegan's such a good thing. And you can Google anything and you're going to find the pros and the cons. You know, Mm -hmm. someone's going to be super for it. Someone's going to be super against it. I find the same thing happens in the financial world where you know, I, I will stress, I think learning credit at a young age is important and you'll get someone else that says, no, stay away from credit, wait till yeah. 25 and older or whatever. But you really just have to go on and learn the information for yourself. And sometimes it does take, you know, some trial and error. And maybe you do something really good one time and really bad another time, but you have to figure out what works for you. Cause I can tell you how my budget looks and I can tell you how I, you know, move around my money. But if that's not going to work for you, you know, it's not just a one size fits all. And that's the same thing with like this information that's out here. There's a lot of information out there and you just have to figure out what's going to work best for you. No, that's, that's, that's great advice. And definitely something that people should heed. You got to be proactive. And at the end of the day, I feel like we all have the intuition to know what's bad, what's good. 
um, and, and also understand there's many ways at the top of the mountain. So for you, you might say credit. I might say leverage. I might, you know, you might say real estate. I might say land. So understanding that there's many ways to the top of the mountain uh, makes a lot of sense. But let's get into your book. You know, talk about the process. You had the aha moment. You wanted to write a book. So it's more tangible for the people you serve. Um, but what was that process like? And give us a synopsis without um, giving us the whole thing, because we want people to buy that and support you. Yeah, so I will take a step back. I did not want to write a book. Um, I, I had the aha moment and I was like, God, are you sure I should do this? Because I like numbers. I don't like words. I feel like, you know, my grammar might not be the best. And I really did not think that I could slash should write this book. Um, but like it was placed on my heart to do so. I dreaded the entire process, but got through it. Um, but the first book that I wrote is The Money Club. It's a teenage guide to financial literacy. And what I did was I came up with something that I wanted to be interesting to read for a teenager, but also, you know, at a level that they could understand. So I came up with different characters. Actually, all of the characters in the book are based off of somebody I know in my life. Um, okay. So like I have different kids from high school and, um, you know, they all come from different backgrounds and they learn money topics as you go. And then mm -hmm. over COVID, I actually created a workbook to go along with the book, because like I said before, not everybody learns the same way. So in the book, you read about how to write a check. And in the workbook, you practice writing checks. Um, and then honestly, after George Floyd happened in 2020, I decided that what the world needed was a black dad and his daughter on the cover of a financial literacy book. And so that's actually why I came up with the Money Lessons with Dad series. The first one is Jasmine's first piggy bank. And I'm hoping to do like three to four more in that series. But I just thought, you know, it's important, especially in our communities to start talking about money earlier and to make it a little less taboo because I feel like we only talk about it when it gets to the point of bankruptcy or, you know, credit reports and stuff like that. And we can just be a little bit more proactive and start earlier. That's great. So you said you have multiple volumes. When can we expect those to come out? So like, this is my busy season. I've got some uh -huh. season starting. So I'm hoping to start working on the next one here pretty soon and then have that out in 2023. Oh, that's great. And um, yeah, once again, we're gonna have those in the show notes. So what are you seeing in today's climate when it comes to, you know, financial literacy? How can athletes and individuals alike prepare themselves, you know, as we apparently, uh, well, let me not say apparently at the time of this recording, you know, there's lots of talks about an upcoming recession. So mm -hmm. Like I said before, this is informational and educational, but what from your principles that you think people should be applying, you know, in this in this current climate that we're in? Yeah, I think the first thing is building your own financial literacy, especially if we're talking to athletes and student athletes. Um, you know, know what a budget is, know how to budget, know how much money is coming in and how much you're spending and how you can, you know, play around with that some. Um, I also, you know, obviously if we're talking in the news now, NIL deals are huge right now. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm a big component of it. I love the idea. Wish we would have had it when I was in school. Um, but, you know, from what my would model, you have done if you were in school with NIL? Oh, come on now. I'm a model now. Like I would have been, okay. <laughs> all the, you know, fitness gear. Respect, and everything. Yeah. yeah, let <laughs> um, them know. But, you know, from my modeling background, I think if you can combine, you know, what you're doing 
and you're spending so much time in practice and games and all of this other stuff and, and make money off of it, you should absolutely do it. And so, you know, expose yourself to, to brands and reach out to people and Instagram is your best friend these days or TikTok or whatever the case is. And I'm, I'm super here for it. And I would just, like I said, I would have loved for that to be a thing when I was in school. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Um, obviously you work with different companies now, whether it's speaking engagements, you know, licensing your book, business, what would you say as it pertains to NIL that athletes can learn from a negotiation standpoint, how to, you know, best position themselves? What advice do you have in that aspect? Well, I, so one of the things, one of my financial tools that I say is to, you know, pay yourself first. Right. And the way that I say that, and what I mean by that is we pay bills, you know, every first of the month, Mm -hmm. every mid middle of the month, end of the month, whatever. Um, And you're paying, you know, Toyota for your car and you're paying, you know, such and such for your gas or whatever. Like, what are you paying yourself? Okay. So when I say pay yourself first, I mean, to save, I mean, to make sure that, you know, you're, you're taken care of. So when it comes to NIL deals, I say use leverage. So, you know, this is who I am. This is how many, you know, engagement and stuff that I get. What can you get me to make me help you look better? Right. So figure out ways to then pay yourself through these NIL deals that you can, you know, build a more financially stable life for yourself in the future. Um, Is definitely what I would say. No, I love that. Um, We're coming up on, on time. You're doing so many things, but at the beginning, you said you started a nonprofit. That's how this all came about. Mm-hmm. A lot of athletes start nonprofits to give back. So what does giving back mean to you and how can you know athletes use that as a springboard to maybe the other things that they want to do, whether it's business, whether it's media, whether it's social community by having a nonprofit? Yeah. Um, so usually I would say a lot of people make nonprofits to give others what they didn't have. Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm started my nonprofit to give others something that I did have and something that I realized was really important for everyone else to have too. So yeah, I started, you know, teaching financial literacy for teenagers because they're not learning it at school. Oftentimes they're not learning it at home either. Um, But there are also a lot of tax benefits that come with that. Like you said, if, if we're talking about athletes that start a nonprofit to, you know, gain other things, you know, there are tax benefits to it and you can, you can help a good amount of people, especially with a, a name like an athlete um, to where they can they can get something that they're not going to get from somewhere somewhere else. Right. And like I said, I have the opposite where I was trying to give something that I already had. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's I'm also very faith based, though. So me giving back isn't something that I really even thought like I didn't think about the tax implications or I didn't think mm-hmm. about, you know, what I could get from it I, for the first two and a half years. I didn't pay myself at all. And I didn't make a dime from it um, because that's not what was important to me. So I would say anybody that is going into it, as long as you have that heart starting it out, then you can't really fail because having a nonprofit is not easy and it does take a lot of work. And so you have to really back your mission and, you know, feel really strongly about that passion for it to keep going. No, I, I can definitely attest to that. I have my own nonprofit and, you know, the mission is the mission. And if you fall away from that mission, it definitely gets hard. So you got to make it worth it. That's Last right. question. You're, you're working with youth, whether it's the daycare center, whether it's teenagers, financial literacy, whether it's coaching, swimming, all these wonderful things. Financial literacy class curriculum. 
what are the five subjects you would go with and then why? Okay. Um, I'm going to put money management and budgeting in the same category. Okay. Um, because I have a topic in my book called the money feed and it's basically comparing your money situation to your social feed. Like you check your social feed every day, make sure you check your money feed, know where, what money's coming in, what money's coming out. Um, definitely credit because I can't say much that I think credit is important. Yeah. <laughs> um, investing, okay. uh, you know, make your money, make more money. Yeah. Um, ooh, let's see. I would throw in because I speak to the youth um, paying for college um, Ooh, or college debt-free situation. Um, I always pitch, you know, trade schools are an option. Community college are, are an option. Like don't get into a ton of debt, you know, based off of like picking the best school or whatever the case is. Um, and then hmm, that was four, I think. Yeah. one. And it could also be like personal development, career development related, because one thing about personal finance is that there's a relationship and behavior around money that you need to have to, you know, really set yourself forward. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always talk about, too, is the fact that sometimes we need financial literacy, especially as athletes, because there are a lot of crooked financial advisors out there Um, Mm -hmm. and that it's always good to kind of know the information yourself even if you have somebody taking care of it, just so you can kind of, you know, you know, why did you do this? And so that you don't get taken advantage of. So I would kind of add a little point in there too. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you, Jasmine, for your time. How can people support you? How can people follow you with what you got going on in all your endeavors? Yeah. So my Instagram is um, at Jasmine, the author, and that'll have a link with all the books and everything. Um, the first book is money. Uh, the first book was the money club, a teenage guide to financial literacy. The second one is money lessons with dad, this series, Jasmine's first piggy bank. And, um, you know, my nonprofit is facts for you. That's at underscore facts for you on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Well, thank you once again, Jasmine, that's it for this show. We really appreciate Jasmine for making the time. If you can please rate, review, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like, and we're going to have all Jasmine information and show notes in the bio and uh, description. So that's it for this week. And we appreciate you once again. Have a good time. Catch y'all later. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much. They're not unwind. Words to the wise don't gotta be suits and ties. We're living in a time where every move is scrutinized. At the